ever wondered what therapy is like or what your loved ones talk about when they are with their therapist? Well, now you can be a fly on the wall in a real therapy session, an unnoticed observer. During this episode, you'll hear a real group therapy session with a modern twist. Our group therapy sessions are done as a mock podcast where participants are encouraged to have open dialogue about their mental health and addiction challenges. As an observer of this episode, we hope that you will learn something helpful for those among us whose struggles often go unnoticed. All personally identifiable information has been removed for the privacy of the participants. Thank you for listening. And uh, here we are, and it's a small group today. We've got Panda, Bob, Skippy, and myself, and the Shark Man. <laughs> and it's an intimate little group, and that's good because I feel like all three of you, um, we haven't really gotten um, the chance to hear much from you with regards to like your stories very much. I mean, maybe a little bit from you, Skippy, but it was, but it was like over, well over a month ago. And I kind of want to, I kind of want refreshers and like, I want to hear more about like what's going on and, and, and your backstories. So who wants to go first? And then we'll all like ask questions of the person talking and then we'll all chime in and we'll relate when we relate to something. Bob uh, said she'd go first. <laughs> awesome, Bob. All right, well, Bob Ross is going to kick this off. Um, Happy tree. So, like, where do I start? That is you know? the best question. Like, where do you start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where would you start if you were making a movie about your life? Um, like, what would be the opening scene well, to, like, get to know the character? Wow. Well... I'd probably, you know, like most people would think, you know, you start when you're a child and that's what I was thinking at first. But like, honestly, I'd start like with what I'm thinking now and my outlook now. And then I would slowly like progress to like my childhood and then like my traumas. And then like, like so people can see, you know, how I view things now. And then like, wow, you know, all these things happen. It's a good storyboard. All right, let's do it. Regressing though, instead of progressing. No, it's like, it's like a reflection back and then regressing. Yeah, I guess, but it's not like, it's not like she's regressing. It's just like, we're, we're the story is regressing, but but then we know that like, okay, so where are you at now with your thinking and everything? Right now I'm in like a really positive place. A really like, um, I don't know. I want to say like a third person outlook on my life and myself, you know? So like, I'm no longer like thinking constantly about myself, myself, myself. It's more like I'm thinking about myself. (laughs) I don't know how to, how else Mm. to describe that, but, um, can I take a guess at what you're saying? I think you're saying you're no longer thinking about how, how to like, uh, medicate yourself, so to speak, but now you're thinking about how to help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like ins- instead of how to numb yourself, it's how to like, actually you're looking at the real you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, I read this really great book, the four agreements. And I, the other day in school, it just like came over me. I was like, I'm going to write down like all these things that I believe about myself now. And like, it's, this huge list of things that I've never, ever been able to say about myself. What surprised my you the most? Like, what were you like, wow, I can't believe I said that about myself. I'm beautiful. You did not know that you were beautiful. <laughs> I I never, ever, ever said those words. I wow. never, I like, I, not as a joke, 
not in right. Anything. So you were just like, blind to like the way the world saw you. You saw yourself very negatively. I did my whole life, and I didn't even allow myself like an inkling of like love. You know, like I people would ask me like what do you like about yourself like come on just names one thing and i would be like oh my god one thing that's so impossible like i i don't know a single thing that i like about myself like my eyes are ugly like everything's just not right you Mm -hmm. know and i'm like and you know that somebody else put that in your head right that's not even yeah who put that in your head um my um my sister kind of that's where it started i guess because i was i was at home where it first started and then I heard it from school and then I, you know, I then and then I started picking it apart from what other people said. And I started like finding it in different things. And I started mm-hmm. repeating back to right. myself. Selective that, like, listening. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, I think it's fair to say and hopefully not inappropriate to say that this is an entire room of good looking people. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious <laughs> if you. everybody... If is there anybody here who still look does not see them and and I'm not going to judge you harshly for it but is there anybody here who still does not see themselves as attractive when they look in the mirror and don't be ashamed to say so if if that's true I think I'm hot as fuck okay <laughs> no hot as frick I mean, I mean like I see you're not jumping to an answer is that indicating that you I don't s- uh, I don't know I s- I I see myself as my it's all subjective you know so so how do you see yourself. Um, I, I don't like a lot of stuff about myself and then I like uh, some stuff about myself. So you're fairly critical of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, that's I still, I still love myself and I, I love stuff about myself and I dislike stuff about myself. Okay. I think, I think that's almost <laughs> like saying uh, no answer, please. It's almost an abstaining. Like I have, um, like somebody asked me like, what, what does your, wife write about my wife's a journalist and i i didn't really want to get into it with them not that it's anything wrong with it but i was just like oh she writes about a lot of topics on a wide variety of things (laughs) and they're like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like the answer you gave me you're like i find myself uh in some ways good and in some ways not so good thank you very much (laughs) no comment Um, what i read between the lines was that you're fairly critical and i think that's fair assessment because I can read your facial expressions and your body language as well. And if I am, if I'm incorrect, I apologize. And if I am correct, I'm not trying to call you out here. Um, It's something to be aware of because you are a very handsome fella. I can say that uh, with, with uh, good confidence. And, uh, and I think one lesson to learn from what Bob is saying is how powerful it is to realize that. You know, it is very good to to be able to look in the mirror and see yourself uh, not with a critical lens, but with a loving lens. Like, and if you're doing it sometimes, great. Like, do it more. You know, do it more and do less of the other thing because it's so easy to mutate yourself in the mirror, and anyone yeah. can do it. Like, you can literally Picasso up your own yeah. face with your mind. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's such a shame because you're not allowing yourself love. It's love that you have to give that you're not giving to mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And like we all need love so badly. Not just everyone in this room, but everyone on this planet. 
um, needs love so badly to varying degrees. You know, some people are are pretty content with the amount of love they get, but they can still use some more. Yeah. You know, every song is about love, right? Yeah. Um, or lack of love, but that's that's like the obsession of humanity is love. So we all need love. We're all like, even the Beatles saying all you need is love. That's yeah. like, they thought that was all you need. Yeah. That's crazy. Like you would die without air, you know? Like you don't only Food. need love. Like, water. yeah. Like literally, like if you could have a lot of love, but if you got no food and water, you you, you need some more stuff than yeah. love. But, um, but people are obsessed with love. So don't think it's just you guys. It's humanity. And just remember that, like, we all want love from everybody else, and we're all entitled to it. Mm-hmm. I believe that. However, loving yourself is where it starts. Yeah. Like, and and we've talked a little bit about it in this in this group in the past about how to love yourself if you don't, and how to transform towards that feeling. And we can go over it again. But one thing that's super easy is catching yourself being critical of yourself. Like it's super easy because it's a habit. It's a, it's a habit you can form. I did it. I formed that habit and then you eventually don't need it because you conquer it, but it, it's, it is time consuming and you have to catch yourself when you think negatively about yourself. You have to, I mean, I can't stress this enough Panda, like you're kind of zoning out, but I really want you to listen to this because like you, when you look in the mirror or even walk down the street and you're like, I can't even tell you how many times I used to tell myself like a record was playing in my head that I'm stupid. Like, and, and I would just like, let that happen until one day I was like, no, Oh, I caught myself doing it again. Got you. Sneaky (laughs) thought, like get out of my head, you know, like today (laughs) you have to attack the criticism. You've all been criticized and you've been criticized by people you look up to and you love and you trust and you think they know you better than anyone, so they must be right. It's not true. Hmm. A lot of the world feeds you lies, not always intentionally, sometimes emotionally. Sometimes you're lied to because people have lied to themselves and they have skewed reality to such a point. Like I was thinking about this yesterday, and I will stop my rant in a second, but I just want to say this. I was thinking about... How does someone see the world clearly? Um, how do you have a clear mind when you see the world um, um, in, in an obstructed way? Like, like, how can you see reality clearly if your own version of reality is skewed? And if you don't know that your version of reality is skewed, then reality itself is completely different. Like, the world is like a painting. Like when you go to an art museum and you see these snobs staring at a painting that is like abstract, right? And they're like, I see this. I think the artists are seeing that. Well, it's the same painting. So how are these people seeing different things? Two answers. One, they're full of it. Um, and they're not. Or maybe they are. But if they are, let's look at that. How can two people see the same painting differently? It's because their mind is wired differently. It's because their perception of reality is different. So something that's beautiful to one person could be ugly to another person, right? Like if you, if you're a beautiful person, like all of you are in this room and you look in the mirror and you secretly tell yourself that you're an ugly person, 
you have lost reality, touch with reality of what, of what objective beauty is. Your new subjective beauty is actually going to be ugly because you're looking at someone beautiful and telling that person that they're ugly. Therefore, you're going to look at something ugly and think that it's beautiful, like abuse. Wow. So just just think about that for a second. Like if you are t- looking at something beautiful like you, like your your soul, like your body, like your face, like your mind, and you're and you're and you're criticizing that which is the most beautiful thing in the world, then you're going to look at something that is hideous and ugly and think that's beautiful. I want some of that. <laughs> yeah. And and that's something you got to be aware of. And the only way to do it is little notches, little changes in the way you think. And and over time, you can transform your mind. You can transform your perception of reality. So if life seems bleak and horrible, yeah, maybe it is in your version of reality. But just know that there's an entirely other version that you can tap into mm. in which the painting looks completely different. You know? Yeah. That's my rant for today. What do you guys think? Well, like uh I was there. I was there a few months ago. I was like trapped in that like every every time I looked like I would avoid mirrors and every time I would catch myself in a mirror. I'd have to, when I was washing my hands, I would get really sad. And I would like that record, like you said, would start playing in my head. Be like, oh my God, you like, you're, you're disgusting. Like, like just utterly disgusting. And like, you don't deserve love, you know, you're never going to get that. And you just definitely didn't even think about like loving myself. And, um, my my life at home you know i i was hurting a lot and i created a lot of destruction and like um with my family and everything and i made like life hell there and i was like you know well my life's hell and like everything's hell and so like i'm um therefore just not worthy of like anything and this is this is my life and it's not going to change and that's that's never going to change uh-huh. and like the past few days i've like really like um even even like a week ago or whatever 5 days ago honestly i was looking in the mirror and i've like actually started you know eating my meals uh-huh. and like eating a fair amount and um my clothes were falling off me when i first got here and now i i fit them and I was really uncomfortable with it for the first few days. But this morning I actually woke up and I looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, okay. You know, like this is pretty cool. And like my clothes fit pretty great right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I can't even tell you how happy that makes me to hear. Yeah. And it's about when it comes to eating, especially I know like so much about eating disorders because, you know, duh, I have one and I've been fighting with it forever. Yeah. But, um, and now conquering it, I can say that with confidence. Ooh, yeah, yeah, go you. But it's like, when it comes to eating disorders, it's totally about nutrition, not about food. Mm. It's just totally about, like, I don't know if anyone said this to you, but it's, don't think about food as food. Don't think about food as fat. Mm. Don't think about food as, as any of that stuff. Just think about it strictly in terms of nutrition. Like, am I nourishing myself? 
helping my body. Like, and- yeah. Am I giving myself the essential vitamins and nutrients mm-hmm. that I need to survive and to be healthy and to thrive? Mm-hmm. That's how you look at food. That's the only healthy way to look at food, in my opinion. And then occasionally, yeah, you want to have something that's exciting to you. Yeah. Treat yourself because you deserve it. Right. But don't use food as medicine and don't turn food into something evil. Mm. Food is literally nourishment. That is why we eat. We eat to fuel our bodies and to provide our bodies with certain vitamins and minerals that we need. Mm. And like as soon as we pervert food and bastardize it into something else that it isn't and turn it into an emotional uh, thing or turn it into um, something to do with the way you look or the way you or or tell yourself that you're eating wrong you're 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 now twisting food into something it was never meant to be wow (laughs) like it's literally just you absorbing what you need to shine in this world really to survive Mm -hmm. But to shine, like for your skin to look radiant, for you to feel good, for your body to have energy, like that's what food is. Food is energy and food is nutrients. And like when you look at it like that, you can really enjoy it. You can be like, wow, not only am I nourishing myself, but it's also delicious. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) And you don't have to feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't because... You're actually doing what you were meant to do as a as a creature of this world. Mm-hmm. Like every creature has to do that. Anyway, I'm very ranty tonight, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> and I really want to hear more from you guys. Um, I don't know why I'm like this right now. <laughs> I'm all fired up. Uh, I'll tell you guys something funny. I got kicked out of jury duty yesterday. Um, and I'm like on, on like a real high from it. Like, I'm like I was so funny in the courtroom and they kicked me off the jury and, um, like, uh, everyone's like, it's awesome. You got out of jury duty. And I'm like, but I wanted to be on the, the panel cause I've never gotten to be part of a trial before, but I wanted to do it on my terms. And they were like, no, <laughs> I'll just tell you one thing. The woman who there's this woman in in a trial. I didn't even know about this, but she's sits at a computer and she's the go between for the attorneys and the judge. And she had a giant, you know, Kirkland Costco brand, a giant thing of Kirkland almonds on her desk. So I raised my hand. They're like uh, juror number 10. I'm like, yes, I'm wondering about the almond policy here in the courtroom. They're like, pardon me. What? I said, yes, the almond policy, because uh, I noticed that the um, woman, I don't know her official title over there, has a very large almond uh, uh, amount of almonds on her desk. And I'm wondering if the trial drags on, are those communal almonds or uh, like who has access to those almonds? People were cracking up like, you know, how the guy who was on trial for criminal charges who might get thrown in jail for life was cracking up like he was so serious like and then he even was cracking up and the woman's like well no one's ever asked that question before she's like there i mean we share them with this court staff i said would a juror be considered court staff during a trial she's like i don't know i I think we'd have to discuss that with the judge during uh off hours i'm like thank you no further questions at this time they kicked me out you're like juror 10 you can leave your almonds no 
Yeah. They're like, Jared, 10, you're excused. You can go. I'm like, but I don't want to. They're like, you have to leave. Almonds. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was like, you on the phone with me last night. He's like, you know what a maniac you are? That you're like probably the only person who not only asked the stupidest questions in the courtroom that they're like, I can't believe this guy's asking about almonds. <laughs> But then you actually didn't want to leave when they told you you could go. They're like, nobody wants to do jury duty. Like, you're you're the only one who tried to fight to stay. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's so... This is my friend saying this lovingly. He's like, this guy's so annoying. And he doesn't want to leave. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. Good story. Be a good joke on like uh, like a stand up. Yeah. 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 You think I should develop it? Yeah. Yes. For sure. I came up with one other joke and then I'll get back on topic. But right. what do you guys think of this? You like you know how like segregation there used to be like bad black, way to start. <laughs> you know there used to be like black people had their own water fountains and white mm. people had their own water fountains and then they like Ugh. that's we always hear about that like segregation everyone had their own water fountains yeah. and then we got past it and then everyone shared one water fountain. <laughs> you know who suffered the most? The water fountain companies. Like they, they they're yeah, they, for real. Yeah, for real. Their no. sales went in half after that. <laughs> But I think that's why there's always like when you go to a water fountain, there's always a water fountain that's like two inches shorter yeah, connected two. to that water fountain. Yeah. Like, why, why do you need a, a slightly shorter water fountain? It's just because the water fountain companies were like, we're not letting this segregation thing bankrupt us. We're selling double water fountains from now on. It's good. It's getting laps. All right. I like it. All right. <laughs> I also came up with something about saltwater taffy and fudge, but that's another time, another story. Let's get back to you guys. All right, fine, I'll tell you. Very quickly. Okay. Okay, hurry back. Yes. I'll tell you very quickly. All right. You ever notice how when, when you, whenever you see fudge being sold anywhere, it's always sold in the most random places, on, in, like in a museum gift shop? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like like in a in a roadside gas station. Yeah, and yeah. then there's always somebody with the fudge explaining how they make fudge. Like they're always. Why does a fudge always come with a tutorial? They're like the fudge goes through a very difficult process, and it's like why we don't need to know that much about fudge. And it's always them and the taffy people, like the saltwater taffy people. They just want you to know how hard they work at making taffy. It's like nobody even cares about fudge or taffy. Like the only reason we ever buy it is because we feel bad because you told us how hard it was to make. No, once once I tried to make taffy with my dad, yeah, yeah it's really hard. It's, like, it's so hard. And then at the end of it, you're like, I guess this is kind of good. It's getting stuck in my teeth. It's a little bit too it's not rich. Worth it. I don't really get it. It's like not it's not a correct food. Exactly. It's like it's not. It's not a correct. It's like it's nutritionally garbage. It it mm-hmm. tastes kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's getting it's like stuck in my teeth. I'm like I'm not happy about this. And yet, you have these people pushing fudge and and taffy Ugh. in every weird place in America. <laughs> and and they and they're and they're pretentious about it. Mm-hmm. Like these saltwater taffy people, they think that they're like in the arts. Ugh. It's Nerve. like it's ridiculous. They think I really think they think they're right up there with like classical composers. 
They're like, you see the movement of the tapestry. <laughs> the whole it's story, like a, too. Yeah. It's like, it's like it, we started off at this little house making taffy. Right. Like, we don't need to know the family history of your crappy candy business. Like, it's like <laughs> all right, that's it for my new stand up stuff. But, um, all right. So I'm really happy going back to you. I, I, we had a commercial break there, a comedic, a comedic break. <laughs> I'm happy that you're feeling better. I'm happy that you're feeling positive now. But you said then we would cut back to the childhood you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh okay, so basically I was um a really like I have I had this like brightness when I was a kid, I guess. Um super, you know, energetic and like happy and like um i had a lot of anxiety and i guess that's that's like my root problem like not mm. the depression and that's like a like a hard time because the depression in my head wants me to think that i was always a piece of sh- right, shoot right 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 um and so basically um really happy kid um and then like around when i was 6 my sister was 12 you know she developed an eating disorder and it disordered the family and um she became very very abusive and um pushed a lot of her what she was going through onto me at a very very young age give me an example um i guess uh an example of like what she tried to push on me or like i guess um how she viewed herself, you know, her eating habits. Like, um, she would comment a lot on my, my figure, you know, my weight. And I wasn't, I was, I was a average, average sized kid, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was, it was okay. And then like slowly as I started going through puberty, it was like, well, you know, like my older, my six year older sister is, you know, they're like four sizes smaller than me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like it's like wow like yikes and and everyone at school was like wow your sister's super pretty and um like my sister it's just like hard to say what she would say you know and i don't Can really remember <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know i don't know about that because <laughs> it's too hurtful yeah it's like um, it, it like it probably wouldn't sound as bad as it did to like a, a six year old me. I think but, it would be good for you to do it. Um. Wow. Well. Yeah. I I got a lot of you know. <sighs> can I get there? Maybe like can I can I work myself up? Because now it yeah. feels like a lot of pressure on that. It is a lot of pressure. <laughs> And I'll tell you why, because like when something is like so scary to go near, like my feeling is go right to that thing because that's the thing that like, okay, you ever get knots in your back? Yeah. Okay. So if you have, have you guys ever got knots in your back? Yes. No. Yes. Leave them alone till they go away. Okay. (laughs) Or, or like. Another way is you're getting a massage, right? You gotta just yeah, rub it out. You gotta go oh, right to the so knot. Painful the day after. You get rid of that knot, then you get rid of the pain, right? Yeah, true. Like all the rest of the massage might feel good, but until you actually get in and need that knot, you are yeah. not undoing the damage. That's true. And and I kind of see um, emotional things the same way. Like 
here's something that's really painful for you to talk about. It's really raw and it it's like legit. Everyone here is going to hear it. And no matter how bad and scary it looks to you, we're all going to be like, yeah, I've had stuff like that said to me. And, 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 and we're not going to be downplaying it. Mm-hmm. We're, that's just going to be the natural reaction that we have. But because it's so deeply cutting and personal to you yeah. and some part of it felt true to you and you haven't been able to completely dispel that at this point, yeah. it's still scary for you, which I acknowledge. So that's why I think it's good to go right. there. I'm ready. Okay. Um, yeah, you're ugly. Um, you know, mom and dad don't love you and they're not going to love you. Um Hey, you see, um, I would be, you know, like getting dressed or whatever. And she would, you know, like tug out my clothes. Like, oh, you see how this doesn't fit you here? Like this, this is too big here. You know, like, wow, you're really, you're really gaining a lot of weight, you know, or I would be eating, you know, like you should slow down with that. That's, that's how you're getting a little carried away. Um, like, (laughs) um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, I guess that just sort of carried a lot into, like, everything. Um, you know, she would, <laughs> she would, um, push me over a lot, or, like, kick me or stuff, and she would be like, huh, you're, you're too slow, you can't get up, you know, maybe you should stop, you know, like, eating so much, and, and, like, then I, I just, like, I, I, I would just, like, I would get back up, you know, and I would like smile mm-hmm. and like I would, I would, you know, go like do my own thing. But like, even though I didn't like know it, it would be playing in my head, you know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this isn't fitting you right. You know, like this isn't, you're ugly. This, this, this isn't like. That's that's you basically. Everything she said to me, I repeated back to myself mm-hmm. from a very young age that that was me, and I hated mirrors. I hated the way I looked. I um, I used to always, you know, search for that validation from others, and that that really ha- that happiness in me started to become more for others. You know, mm-hmm. it started to be more to please others. Like I would use that to make others happy or, you know, make my parents happy because my sister was mm-hmm. turmoil. And so I had to constantly, regardless of what was going on, how awful she was, all of these things, I would have to get back up and smile and laugh and, you know, be there for my parents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at a very young age because um, I made the difference to them. Mm-hmm. And I guess it that mattered at the time but it also like pushed me further away like because I pretended like it was fine they Mm -hmm. um I would wait outside during the family's therapy sessions and um you know I would see my dad drag my sister to the to the shower, you know, screaming, crying, fully clothed and like running cold water on my sister, hysterical and just like hiding under the table with my dog. 
and I there's a lot of that you know mm-hmm. um I was lucky to have a dog after like turning seven um and um one thing it's kind of a side note like when we for the first day we got him he was already like two years old it was a rescue um he was in the, the house and my dad had saw him at like PetSmart and he was like, I think you guys are going to like this dog. Like, I think you guys are really going to like this dog. He came to the house and the first thing he did, like when he came up to me is like he smiled. And I don't know if you've ever seen a dog smile, but that that's the funniest thing to me. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like what a great dog. And, um, and so he helped a lot and, I started, you know, I, I, I was a swimmer and I loved the water. I had a hearing problem because of all the swimming and I, I had like a hole in my eardrum. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear as well as all the other kids in my class. So I didn't like, I didn't learn how to like count or like stuff like, like I didn't learn how to do math very well or, um, add money stuff like that you know because like i wouldn't ask questions but i wouldn't be able to hear and so i think that's true of your family too like you kind of shut yourself out yeah for sure like what you said about when you were hiding under the table or you weren't going into the family therapy it's like you made yourself an island because it was so painful yeah and that you just thought let me remove myself from it but at the same time you also weren't getting the help you needed for sure. And I, I think it transferred over, like, when you're talking about this. And, like, I'm not a therapist, but I think that's just a basic as- assumption to make. And Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so freaking proud of you for going there because I know how scary that was for you. And I heard it. We all heard it in your voice. Definitely. And yeah. I, I want to open it up to Skippy and Panda for their um, reactions right now because I'm sure, like, this must have touched on some stuff for both of you. And, and to, to hear your um, feedback a little bit, so... The Meadowglade is a rehabilitation center specializing in mental health and eating disorders. Located in Moore Park, California, the Meadowglade fosters an environment of wholesome healing, supporting the transition back to a self-sufficient, harmonious lifestyle. Offering both outpatient and residential treatment, the Meadowglade works with clients from all over the country, offering optional housing on a private 24-acre estate of rolling hills, secret gardens, avocado groves, and sprawling pastures with horses on site. You or your loved one will enjoy an individualized treatment program with individual and group therapy, along with creative methods like equine and art therapy. Most major insurance plans are accepted, and our program specialists can help you every step of the way. Give us a call today at 888-619-0676 to learn more. Well, like, growing up, I was always the outsider. I was always the person who got picked last for dodgeball, who got picked last to play on the baseball team. I was always the person who no one wanted to sit next to at lunch. I was like, I, I considered myself like I growing up, I was always kind of really flamboyant. (laughs) Like it was really bad, but, um, 
like that's who I was. I was uh, carefree, even though nobody wanted mm-hmm. to be my friend. Yeah. I didn't really care because I I loved myself. Let's not even put a judgment on it then, because you said it was really bad. Let's say it was really awesome. It was yeah. it was it was awesome because you you were you, and I think you're awesome. Well, um, once like middle school hit and like I started actually developing, and like I could comprehend what they were saying about me. Um, those feelings really stuck to me and then it kind of like from like seventh grade to maybe sophomore year, I'd miss like three out of the five days of school. Cause like I, I physically could not get myself out of bed to go to school. I'm like, what are they going to say today? Who's going to talk behind my back? Who is not going to be there for me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like this whole time, no one was really talking about me. No one really, no one's opinion really mattered to me anymore. I I was the person bringing it, bringing it, bringing it all down on myself. I was, I was bullied a little bit growing up, but in general, I was the bully to myself, mm-hmm. and that's what I've really noticed. Like. I get myself in these dip, not dip, (laughs) deep, dark pits of despair, Mm -hmm. of self-loathing, and just like, oh, poor me, oh, oh, I did this wrong, oh, I'm awful, yada, 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 etc. It's, um, it's, it's really strange how fast I can get myself to go down that far. I really do. Like, like someone could say something like super nice and super positive. Like, like actually, no, I'm going to go a different direction. I could be talking. I, I, we had this group yesterday expressing aim through art therapy and I I drew a picture and it like, I really didn't realize it, but like, like I've been like played a lot by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, I'm the person to give 110%, give my whole life, my whole everything, everything that I have mm-hmm. to this person. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's hard to be in a relationship where it only goes one way. It's hard to be the person who's always trying and have someone who never tries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was talking to this person for, I want to say like six to seven months. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking and like we were like, I did anything for this person. I would do anything for them. Like I got myself in trouble by picking him up from a party like at seven o'clock in the morning. No, not seven (laughs) o'clock. Like three o'clock in the morning to take him home. Mm -hmm. And I got in trouble because I went out when I wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. I supplied him with the drugs he needed. Mm -hmm. I was always the person to give him rides, even though he never gave me gas money. Like he, he didn't even like say thank you or anything. He was like, I'll call you later. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. And I thought that was love. Mm -hmm. I thought getting just being with that person was love. Mm hmm. But like, do you ever ask yourself why? Why did you think that was love? Because that's what I've always been used to. 
just a one a one way relationship yeah. where I was the, always the person trying. And that comes from what your parents. That's it's strange because my parents have always been so supportive, always been there for me. I've had the best family growing up, but it's myself. I I tell myself this, like I, this is love to me, like. But wait a minute. You said that was always love to you. So, like, things don't just transpire. They mirror, you know? So somebody taught you that that was love. So that's why I'm, I'm suggesting your parents because I, that's a quick place to go to. But where do you think that, like, where do you think that that definition of love was taught to you from? Hmm. That's a good question. I have no idea. Because, like, that's how I, that's how I pictured love. Like... Hmm. I really don't know. Do you think like maybe movies, like society, like to give your all to somebody? I don't know. That's what I'm really confused about. Because mm-hmm. like I've always seen people in relationships where like they seem like they love the, each other unconditionally. What well, well, what does your parents' marriage look like? Like are they a very happily married couple? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what would you say is the dynamic between them? Who's, um, okay, just break it down for me. Like, what does this relationship look like? Well, my mom and dad have been together for almost, I think it's 30 years now. They've been together for almost 30, no, not 30 years, what the, like, 26. Okay, that's not that far off. Yeah. They've been together for, like, 26 years. Uh And, like, they've had their ups and downs, right? Uh Uh-huh. But they always seem to figure it out and work it out. Because my mom said she knows once the fighting stops, that's when they stop trying. So they do fight a lot. I've heard that before, by the way. That's like a common thing to say. Like, and it's and I understand the logic behind it. Like, couples who fight are fighting for something. Couples who don't fight have nothing to fight for. Yeah, it's it is healthy for a couple to fight. The question is. Are they fighting healthy? Yes. And like, I don't know. And you probably don't know either because you've never been in a marriage, right? No. Like, so you trust them that they're fighting healthy, but you're just going off the basis that they're like, this is how you healthy fight. And you're like, okay, mom and dad, if you say so, like, I don't know that they do fight healthy. And, and also here's the other thing I just want to point out to you. And this is kind of mind blowing. They're not supposed to fight in front of you. You know that? Like, you're not supposed to know about that. You're not supposed to know that it's healthy for a couple to fight like that. You're supposed to be blinded from that until you're like 20 at least. And then you'd be like, by the way, kid, we fought a lot like in secret behind the scenes when you were a kid. And it's healthy to fight in a relationship uh, because it means that you're fighting for something. And you're like, oh, cool. I'm glad I never had to see that because that might have affected my understanding of a healthy relationship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, these are like things that like the difference between healthy parents and unhealthy parents. And like, I understand that we all have a very deep need to defend our parents. And even when we're like, yeah, they did some messed up stuff. You're also like, but they also literally bought me these clothes on my body and fed me and put me in school and put me in a house and took me on trips. And like, they're like the most amazing people in the world who've done everything for me and always will and care about me more than anyone. Got it. Understood. However, 
There are literally many parents out there that do not fight in front of their kids that shelter them from that. And that's a way better way to grow up. And it's not impossible. And it's not even difficult. It's the way it can be done. I mean, there are sometimes slip ups, but there's a huge difference between living in a house with a lot of fighting. And then the parents are like, don't worry, we got this. We love each other. We just happen to fight a lot. And also or living in a stable, calm environment where you're looking at a relationship that seems really happy, happy and healthy and well adjusted. And like there's a good power dynamic between the parents where there's a good give and take and a good respect for each other. And rather than like um, my way is right. No, my way is right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, um, when 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 parents act as a team, as a unit, as a fun, they function as one. Like we are both on the same page. We we both totally devoted and loved each other. And yeah, there's going to be some bumps around along the road and we're going to fight about them. But we're going to pull that stuff aside and not like expose a kid who's literally forming their opinion of what love is. It to that. That's not malicious parenting. It's just irresponsible parenting. And you do have to kind of allow yourself the freedom to understand that and not judge them for it. Because I understand the need to not want to judge. And maybe some therapists will be like, judge, and maybe they're right. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a human who's been around a lot of this. And like, I'm just telling you, like, it is okay to understand where they they where they were wrong and where they where they where they failed to do right by you and and also be like you know what they they didn't have the rule book they they went through their own stuff with their parents they went through they're just trying to survive like we are and they were doing the best they could do and the best they could do happened to be poorly informed for what a parent should be you know, and I don't and you don't have to hate them for it. You don't have to judge them harshly for it. You don't have to be like, I should have had more because you get what you get in this life. It's not like you should have had more. It's not like any of you should have had more because you can't should have because then you could should have your way to anything. I should have this. I should have that. I should like mm. like, OK, it sucks. But then you deal with it like that is that is rehab. Like it's like you you have to learn what sucks in your life. Like you have to be able to honestly look back and be like, damn, I've been covering for them on that one. That did suck though. Like literally that sucked and I shouldn't have had to deal with that. And okay. They couldn't have done better or they could have, but they didn't whatever, but that's what I got. And now I know that that's, that that sucked. You know, and and now that I know that, that I experienced something that sucked, that's when you step back and ask yourself this question. How did that sucky thing affect the way I think or feel about myself? You know, because that's what we're trying to figure out here. We're not trying to like point a finger, blame your parents. And we're not trying to like, 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 you know, find that it's not like the court case where we trying to lock someone up or something. We're we're literally trying to find out what went wrong that affected your thinking that led your thinking to go negative on you, you know? And like, I think we kind of found like a big piece of it with like this, the fighting, like, like your definition of love is so complicated, man. It's so complicated because 
your parents sound like they truly do love each other and they're really fighting a good fight. They're just maybe not doing it in a way that it's like you're absorbing it very well, you know? Probably. I, I think that's like really significant because we do learn definitions of love that are often really wrong. Like, like I told you, there's a right, there's a different way to see the painting where, where beautiful is ugly mm-hmm. or ugly is beautiful. Like sometimes like love and love is not, in my opinion, what Hollywood shows it as either. That's usually mm-hmm. lust or, or just silly fantasy. <laughs> exactly. Um, my, my definition of love is, is really about trust. It's about a complete trust for the other person. Mm. And that's like, and, and when you have that, when the two people like really trust each other, like truly trust each other, then there's a certain calm that comes over that relationship mm. because you know, you know, deep in your heart that that other person's got your back. And that's why we're so affected by cheating. Like when someone cheats on you, you feel so betrayed. Not so much because that other person had sex with some other person or hooked up or kissed or whatever, right? You're just, you're actually hurt by the breaking of trust. Mm. Like trust breaks hearts. Breaking trust breaks hearts. So, so the opposite of that is building trust heals hearts, Mm. you know? So like when a couple truly trust each other, then you have really healthy love, in my opinion. Like, they don't have to, like, you know, do some crazy wild romantic gesture all the time or whatever. They they don't have to be, like, lusting over each other. They just have to trust. It's, it's not about lust. It's about trust. If I was a motivational speaker, I'd be like... <laughs> I, I kind of imagine myself as like a, a preacher right now. It's not about lust. It's about trust. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then something else, and then I'd rhyme it with dust. It's about dust. It's about. Lust. <laughs> but 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 it's so true. So when you when you try to find like a good definition of something that kind of helps you because like you experienced this guy was breaking your trust. Like he literally kept breaking your your trust. Like you would trust him to give you back emotionally and he would not. You know, and you would go to school and you would trust that your friends were were going to be there for you and that they weren't going to be making fun of you and they broke your trust. Like your sister broke your trust. Mm-hmm. Like you trusted she was there for you and that she loved you and she was a good sister and she wanted the best for you and she kept breaking your trust. Yeah. That's like heartbreaking. Heart- I mean, it's like happiness. Like I always think happiness is a stupid thing to, to like uh, try and strive to be because it's so abstract. Mm-hmm. It's There is no such thing as happiness. There is such a thing as appreciation which produces a happy feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you appreciate anything, it's going to make you quote unquote happy, but the action is appreciation. The result is happiness. Mm. Like you can't try and make a result in action, you know? Wow. 
So the action is trust. And like the reaction should be trust. So if you're trusting someone, but they're not trusting you, one of these two people is not equipped to be in this relationship. And it's the one who's not able to give trust. Mm. Because the love is 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 going to come from the trust. The trust is the action. The love is like the result. Mm. You know? You're on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about love. It's about dub. I don't know. So you've been really quiet, Skippy. And we're like, damn it. We are so out of time. But how are you doing? I just want to do a quick check-in with you. Because next week... You're going to be the star of this show. We've been there before with you where it's like, Skippy, you did not talk because because you didn't barely say anything today. Tomorrow, so, uh, Next week is my last media. So what we're going to split it up then. We're going to do like a half a goodbye with you, half the session goodbye, and half the session check-in because I really want to know. But where are you at? You like, cool. Just for two minutes, where are you at? I'm okay. I'm pretty tired. I still hear you talking to it. Or well, maybe your headphones Something. come out. Um, I can't yeah, your headphones came out. I think. Let's see. Is that better? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. I'm pretty tired. Um, whoa, half of your hair is like. <laughs> <laughs> the other half. Is that why you were pretty quiet today? Is just because you're tired? Yeah, I'm pretty tired. Okay. Uh, Did anything I, come I'm, up today that like really affected you, and you want to talk about it before we shut down? Nothing I really want to talk about. I feel like everything's. Uh, feel like I'm good. Um, yeah. So there are things, but you don't want to talk about them. <laughs> sure. It's fine. All right. Well, just remember what I said about the knot in the back. Like, those are the things maybe that you should work towards next week, maybe talking about. Because the if they're, if they're there and you're afraid to touch them, you know, that's the one you got to go for. That's where, that's where the answers lie, you know? Just remember, like, it's, it's... It, you know, I had a saying, my friend, I had a friend who passed away, sadly, but he always had a saying that, that stuck with me. And I don't know if he came up with it or if he just liked to say it, but he always said the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer is the one you never use. Hmm. And, and I think it's true for feelings and emotions too. It's like the sharpest thing is the one you're not touching. It's the one you're not going near. And like, and as long as you let it be that sharp knife in you. It's going to, it's going to stick you, you know, and it, it, it's probably scary. It's a sharp knife. I get it. You don't want to go near it, but that's, that's where you're going to get, that's where you're going to open doors in your mind. That's where you're going to open doors in your soul. Like you're going to be able to overcome the things that you thought were your limitations. Because by the way, our limitations that we, we have decided, like you said it really well before that you used to think like I can never get past this that I can never get past that I can never that limitation that I can never is a lie and you should all know that that is a lie that we tell ourselves that we honestly believe until we dispel it and we're like oh I guess I could like I guess like I used to say I could never lose this weight 42 pounds down in the last few months like it's like I can and there's no I can never I can never is just you telling yourself a lie because it's more comfortable than doing the work to just say Mm -hmm. you can't get past it and I know that from personal experience and I'm going to be late so I have to go but 
I just want you guys, I want to just leave you this with this really powerful thing because (laughs) it truly is like a really powerful thing. And I feel like, I feel like I can't stress it enough. Like stop lying to yourselves. Like seriously, you deserve better. Like, and Skippy, I'm talking to you right now because I can see it in in your face that I, I, that some of this is resonating. And I just want you to know that like, you can get past these things. The things that you think are holding you back, I promise you, you can defeat the hell out of these things. Like you can get past them. You guys are so amazing. All of you are. Thank you. Yeah, we pretty and, much. And like, we, we and are you are, pretty. and you, and I'm not saying that lightly. I really mean it. Yeah, we're pretty milk. Like you guys <laughs> are. Milk. You guys have some amazing abilities within you. Frick yeah. And I need you to believe it as much as I believe it, because as soon as you do. You're going to, like, develop X-Men powers like you can't believe. Like, you're going to realize that you can shoot lasers out of your eyes. Like, and you had it in you all along, you know? I'm serious. So let's talk about it next week, all right? Okay, Skippy. All right, thank you. All right. Signing off. Good night, everybody. Beep, beep. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Unnoticed Observer, your window into group therapy. Each episode covers a new theme to open the conversation about mental health and offer insight and guidance. New episodes are released every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Join us on your favorite podcast listening app and make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook at Unnoticed Observer Podcast for more. And remember, if you or someone you love is struggling with any mood, behavioral, or personality-related matters, there is help.